shelters and shouting on the Upper West Side and pushing back, back to school. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. My broadcast partner, Ben Max, is off again this week. Uh, it's been a while since we've been on the air together. He was solo for two weeks while I was away, and I've taken the past couple weeks, and we actually will be off next Wednesday. So if a dose of Max plus Murphy is uh, your kind of poison, uh, you'll have to wait just a little while longer, and then we'll be back in the saddle September 16th. Uh, but thank you for so much for joining us uh, over the summer and tonight. We're very grateful for this opportunity to be part of chronicling this incredible time in city history, a uh, frightening time for the city and the country. One of the major concerns about COVID-19, which has killed, you know, more than 20,000 New Yorkers and many, many, many thousands more around the state and country, is what it would do to people in particular populations, prisons, obviously nursing homes, and homeless shelters. And in fact, as of August 24th, according to research by the Coalition for the Homeless, the overall New York City mortality rate uh, was about uh, 226 deaths per 100,000 people. But for sheltered homeless New Yorkers, it was 375 deaths per 100,000 people. That's 66% higher than the overall rate. And it's that fear that in those settings and with homeless people who might have uh, a predisposition, a heavy concentration of people with predispositions to being vulnerable to the virus, that is why there were calls early on to deal with shelters and try to de-densify them, and especially to move people to hotels. And so 13,000 adults have been moved to hotels, uh, have been moved from shelters to hotels over the course of the pandemic. And that has caused some friction in a few places, but the stories have focused mainly on the Upper West Side, where 730 adults were moved to four hotels, and where there has been for several weeks now uh, a lot of uh, clamor about that, a founding of a Facebook group, um, resisting that change with some 8,000 members, a lawsuit, and according to some observers, some ugly rhetoric. We're going to talk about that now with uh, City Councilmember Helen Rosenthal, who is a Democrat representing the 6th District. Uh, Councilmember, welcome to Max and Murphy. Thank me. Pleasure to have you. And we're also joined by Melissa Sanchez, who is a member of the Upper West Side Open Hearts Initiative. Uh, Professor Sanchez, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So uh, we did also, I should mention, we reached out to the attorney who is representing some of the people who are filing or considering filing a lawsuit. He did not respond. We certainly tried to give him uh, his um, his say. And of course, if you want to have your say, you can call in to 212-209-2877. But let's start with the guests we have. And Councilmember Rosenthal, tell us What's going on here? What uh, what has been transpiring on the Upper West Side for the past few months? What's your what's your picture of the situation? Yeah, and I appreciate your covering this issue, um, Jared. It's really great. Uh, and you started it by talking about uh, the de-densification, and I was very much part of that conversation and agreed that we wouldn't want the, sh- the congregate shelters to become COVID hotspots. Wasn't safe for either the clients or for the staff. So um, the city therefore put people into shelters. Uh, We've had two on the Upper West Side that did not really um, conjure up much concern. But um, when a third one came in, which which is pretty pretty close to the to one of the others, 
um, a lot of concerns were raised. And um, as you say, there's there are a lot of people who who have signed petitions. They've hired a lawyer, um, and uh, so my approach has been: well, this was a surprise to everyone, myself included. But uh, I understand intellectually why it has to happen for the safety of the clients. And so for that reason, it's been important to me to listen to the concerns and work with the Department of Homeless Services and the providers to make sure everyone in the community is safe. Um, and, and I think that's what we've done. I think the Upper West Side is in a much different place today than it was a couple of months ago. Um, the social services at the third hotel have really kicked into gear. Um, and I think the clients are busy doing what they need to do to get themselves back on their feet again. Um, so I want to go to Melissa uh, or uh, Melissa Sanchez from Upper West Side Open Hearts Initiative. Uh, Melissa, that organization sent a letter this week to Mayor de Blasio, and it read in part, we write because we are deeply disturbed by a rise in inflammatory, dehumanizing rhetoric and incitements to violence against vulnerable New Yorkers who are living on the streets or in shelters. Uh, tell me about what you've been seeing on the Upper West Side that's disturbed you. So the, the things that I've seen on the Upper West Side that have disturbed me have involved people yelling at shelter residents, people filming them. Um, on the Facebook page, we've seen a number of um, suggestions that people carry wasp spray around um, with, the, with the information that wasp spray is better than pepper spray because it can go 20 feet and put someone in the hospital. We've seen suggestions of duct taping um, suspicious looking people to telephone poles until the authorities can come. We've seen suge suggestions of buying taser guns. Um, one post a, written by a woman described her, um, in, she wrote this herself, um, she wrote that she was sitting at a stoplight and illegally using her handheld phone to try to take pictures of someone that she believed to be a shelter resident. When that person began approaching the car, she said she became so afraid that even though the light was, was still red, she went across the intersection. Um, these kinds of behaviors are making the the neighborhood unsafe for the shelter residents, but they're also making the neighborhood unsafe for all of us. Um, I'm a mother. I live down the street from the Belle Claire. My son goes to a local school. I don't want to walk around in a neighborhood where people are armed with wasp spray and running red lights and driving while using their cell phones to take pictures. Melissa, do you think the, I mean, obviously some of that rhetoric is inexcusable under any circumstances, but some of the concerns that have been leveled perhaps in more civil tones about the number of people, about what they're doing during the day, uh, the concern about staffing in the shelters, do you feel as though any of those criticisms are legitimate? I will say I have not seen any threat 
to the neighborhood from the people who are around. I think there are certainly more poor people in our neighborhood. Um, seeing poor people does not bother me. I have talked to the um, directors of Project Renewal, Help USA, and the CUCS about the services that the clients are receiving, and they actually they are receiving all of the same services and, in fact, better services than they were in their original location. When they moved, their caseworkers, healthcare staff, records, all of that moved with them. So I'd be curious to know what evidence the um, people who are trying to drive out um, these three care providers and re their residents. Um, I, I'd be very interested to know on what evidence they're basing the claims that there is not care. I'd also be interested to know why they think that better care would be available in a different location. If they're mm -hmm. concerned about better care, why not send more, more people here to these right. sites? Council member, you've you've issued several uh, email letters to the neighborhood updating them on the situation. And in one of them in late July, you said that the Upper West Side would no longer accept additional shelter uh, residents. You then retracted that and said you regretted that. What do you think about the complaints? You, you mentioned you've heard concerns. Are those concerns based in fact? Um, look, I, I think, uh, it's very, uh, I, I actually think it's linked, Jared, to what, exactly what you were talking about in the introduction when you were talking about the need for borrowing. You know, if we go back to this last budget that was passed by the city, the city made a tremendous number of cuts. I think we, I think the city went overboard by at least $500 million. And um, it, that was one of the reasons I voted against the budget, because I think our cuts were too deep. And I've been advocating for months that we should be borrowing money. Um, so could the city use, you know, more resources, more social workers, homeless outreach workers, case workers, mental health professionals? Absolutely. I mean, this is something that has been my life's work on the council, arguing that all of these social services should be more richly funded. However, but the, uh, given the concerns the that people have raised... The concerns yeah, people have raised about say, right. yeah, given ahead, sorry. where we are, no, 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 that's all right. But given where we are today, no, I think that the staffing levels are what they are, and I think the um, you know I've toured the shelters, I see the work they're doing. I think the staff are doing the best they can. Um, and there have been some really interesting findings. Um, one is that uh, some of the shelter residents are doing better being in individual rooms rather than in a room with 40 other individuals. And it gives them more space to um, get their own lives together. And that's an interesting finding, I think. Um, 
by the same token, you know, we do have an increase in the number of street homeless. And this goes back to the budget. You know, many drug treatment centers um, and other social services during the pandemic were cut back. And now that there's less funding, uh, it's hard for them to be running, you know, working full steam ahead. So where many homeless people um, before, during, prior to COVID, had somewhere to go to get the help they need, you know, with the with shutting down the city, that became more difficult. Um, and I think we should be doing everything we can to invest in those services and get those programs up and running, of course, safely. But, um, you know, what I see going on is there are people who need help to get their life back together, some of whom refuse to come into shelter and are sleeping on the streets. Um, you know, last night I had a bunch of Zoom meetings. I walked back to my house from the district office. There were plenty of people sitting on benches, sitting under scaffolding, sleeping under scaffolding. No, there was no aggressiveness at all. This was 1030 at night. Um, so we do see more street homeless and we do have this increase uh, with a temporary shelter population, there are more homeless on our streets. That is a fact. Talk about the the process issue because you know you mentioned that um, this happened and it was something of a surprise to you, and that is that's been a theme in in some of your communications, and I think some of the the complaints by people who have been more uh, vociferously opposed to. Um, the shelter residents uh, coming to the hotels was that the process was improper. Could the city have done a more engaging process given the kind of emergent nature of this policy decision? And and do you think that that would have really uh, assuaged anyone's concerns? Any of the people who are worried about this happening? I, I'm not sure if it would have convinced them that it was that it was going to be okay. You know, I really appreciate the way you worded that question, because, of course, the, there's a public health emergency going on and an executive order went out that has given the Department of Homeless Services the right to do everything it needs to do to keep keep clients and staff safe from COVID. So unlike the usual permanent shelter process where a community has at least 30 days to talk to the provider, review the issues. There was none of that here. So intellectually, uh, I completely understand why things happen overnight. Um, but the truth of the matter is, as we have had conversations, people have come up with some good ideas that we're trying to implement. And perhaps had we had earlier knowledge, we could have started that work sooner. Um, for example, a local nonprofit has agreed to open up their space for the shelter residents during the day if they want to go somewhere and, you know, do whatever. I mean, one of the things they're doing and um, um, your other guest, Melissa, uh, has had a great hand in this is 
um, finding nonprofits who will run resume writing workshops. I mean, had all of those things been in place first, sure, that would have been better, but realistically probably can't happen. You know, when we had the big um, hullabaloo over the sex offenders, um, you know, which is a, a very reasonable concern, uh, I, I found out about it from a reporter. Um, you know, it, it, I think it would have been helpful to get good, accurate information from Department of Homeless Services first. I mean, one of the things we've learned is that the New York State Registry is often wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, would have been good for me to be able to say that immediately. But I haven't, you know, what I've been doing is sort of catch up. You know, I've been mm-hmm. uh, learning as we go along. So, you know, one day I hear one thing, I research it, try to find out about it, address if there are any real concerns there, of course, and get other things set in motion. Um, so, for example, um, Let me just, I want to bring I'm sorry, I want to bring Melissa. I want to bring Melissa sure. in on this. Melissa, what do you think? Do you think that if your neighbors on the Upper West Side had been given more notice, had been given a chance to engage, which which may not have been possible in this situation? It probably wasn't just as a hypothetical, though. Do you think that the opposition would be as fervent and in some cases ugly as it's been? It's hard for me to go back in time and imagine mm-hmm. how um, what would have made a difference. And I, I would say um, I, I'm a little mystified by the focus on the, the process, which I agree was could have been handled much better. But focusing on what was done wrong three months ago does it, or two months ago in the case of, of Project Renewal at the Lucerne doesn't really help us moving forward. Um, so, I, so I'll just begin by saying that however lacking the process was, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with where we are now um, in terms of moves to drive out the, the shelter staff and residents. Um, what do you think is driving what do you think is driving that? Well, so so what I was going to say is I do think that one thing that the city and DHS could have done and that I think I wish they still would do is give resident give permanent residents of the neighborhood more information. Yeah. Um, for the past month at least Misinformation and rumors have been flying all over the place. So, for instance, the Westside Community Organization GoFundMe page still today says that there are sex offenders, registered sex offenders in the hotel. They have all been moved. Um, You know, the NYPD has said this. The shelter operators have said this. Unless we get into conspiracy theory territory... That sentence should not be there to raise money. Um, Claims about, you know, so again, we brought up earlier the the worry that I think a lot of people um, are are expressing. And and if we take them at this word, this is a very compassionate worry. That is the worry that people are not getting enough services. Had there been information from the beginning, I'm talking about like a sign posted on the doors of the hotels out of which these shelters are operating. 
a lot of people would know what was happening and they would be less they would be less worried. Um, I think too, make you know the making clear what Helen Rosenthal brought up earlier that some of the people that um, that are being seen on the streets, perhaps urinating or perhaps you know using drugs. I haven't seen this, but I don't think everyone can be lying, so I believe that it has happened. Um, a lot of those people are likely people experiencing street homelessness. Mm-hmm. You know, newspapers have been published, you know, the New York Post has been publishing articles about the shelters accompanied by photos of people sleeping on a mattress on the street. It doesn't even make sense. People sleeping on a mattress in, on the street are not living in the shelters. Um, yeah. So so I think that more, I think that what would have made a difference would not, you know, more notice, as as Helen said, would have been great in terms of, you know, getting more uh, community services and support in in place. But I think really the issue is is lack of information. And I think the mm-hmm. more information that the neighborhood can be provided going forward, the more people can operate on facts rather than fears and rumors. So, Councilmember, yeah, we Melissa, have about so we have true. about thirty oh, okay. or forty-five seconds left, and I just wanted to ask: um, the mayor has said he intends to keep uh, homeless people who have been moved out in hotels until there is a vaccine. So, it could be many, many months that the situation persists. What do you want to see now to make this better? And I'm, I'm saying not just from the city, but also from some of these um, neighbors and constituents of yours who have um, raised alarms. Some of them perhaps unfounded uh, or apparently unfounded about the impact of homeless people in the neighborhood. What what should happen now? Well, I truly feel think, like oh. we've, oh, well, I feel like we've gotten our feet on the ground. Um, and uh, I think, you know, anyone who comes and walks the neighborhood today will see a very different picture than what is being described on the Facebook group that Melissa referred to. Um, I do think that this idea of uh, a a mechanism to address rumor control uh, would be terrific. Um, You know, there was a rumor going around about a sex offender, you know, living at one of the hotels. It wasn't true. There was a rumor going around that uh, another hotel was going to be used as a shelter. That wasn't true. And all the time it takes to notify everyone that these things are not true. I do think that information is power. Melissa is spot on right about this. And I wish there were a page on the DHS website with accurate, good information that people could go to where they could immediately uh, uh, allay anyone's concerns about something that may not be true. Well, thank you. That's an excellent suggestion. And I think we have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Uh, But thank you so much, City Councilmember Helen Rosenthal and Melissa Sanchez of the Upper West Side Open Heart Initiative. Thanks for joining Max and Murphy, and please stay in touch. Thanks for having me. Okay, thank you very much, Jarrett. Thank you both.